Welcome to The Brain and Beyond, a podcast about neuroscience, well-being, and hope for the future. I'm Ellen Petrie-Liance, an educator and coach who begins with the brain as I look to understand, navigate, and enjoy this adventure called life. If you're curious about neuroscience or want to find more satisfaction on your journey, you're at the right place. I promise to make learning about the brain interesting, enjoyable, useful, and beyond. Hi there. It's great to have you here for the very first episode of the Brain and Beyond podcast. I'm excited to welcome you and to imagine the adventures ahead. There's so much to share about the brain and some great people lined up to help me do that. Yet today, we'll begin at, well, at the beginning. In this episode, you'll learn five key insights about the brain that you can put to use starting today and that will be a foundation for all that's ahead. Let's get started. Here are five things about the brain that might make a lot of other things more clear. Number one, your brain's first, foremost, and unrelenting job is to keep you safe and alive. Now, ask pretty much anyone what the brain's job is, and they'll answer, um, it's to think? Well, it's a reasonable answer, yet it's not quite complete, because your brain's real job is to think in service to keeping you safe and alive. Start seeing your brain as an incredibly powerful organ of survival, one that perceives and interprets the world around it to make its best prediction of what it will take to keep you, well, staying in the world around you. Now, that's a big job. It was huge in the evolutionary crucible our species evolved in. And as we all well know, it's a big job still today. Keeping you alive means constantly managing your sensory intakes, interpreting those intakes, associating those interpretations with related experiences from your past, and activating next steps, be they reactions or decisions, conclusions or behaviors that repeat that past. Because, well, listen to this. If you're here right now, per the brain, it's done its job perfectly. After all, you've made it through so far, and your brain tends to optimize for you repeating the thoughts and behaviors that have kept you here so far, whether you like them or not. Now, that may be hard to hear. After all, how many of us want to spend our lives staying the same as we've already been? Most of us hunger for something more or feel like what's gotten us here isn't what we want to get us there. That there might be something we aspire to or dream of or long for in our lives. A change, a step forward, something new. Yet since the brain has no evidence that something new will keep you safe and alive, it resists it. New dreams, life changes, desired experiences, left to itself, the brain tends to shut those down, making you feel like they're not possible or filling in the space between what you've done and what you dream with a story that you're not ready, or that you can give that a try as soon as you dot, dot, dot. 
we can probably all complete that dot, dot, dot for ourselves. Many of us have, I'll do that as soon as I dot, dot, dot scenarios on mental speed dial, if you know what I mean. But see, your brain has no evidence that anything new is consistent with its account of what so far served your survival. So although it may register that information, it will let it fade away unless you persist, unless you move that information from the testing ground, so to speak, of I want to, into the practices and action needed to create change. In other words, you have to convince your brain that it's okay for it to drop its resistance to you thinking or habituating new things. This is simply neurochemistry. After all, the chemical and electric signals your brain fires create your experience of reality. We'll talk a lot about that in the episodes ahead. Yet for today, simply register this. Your desires, dreams, and even intentions to change, they are all too often at cross-purposes with what your brain thinks you need to do to stay safe and alive. Outsmarting the brain, though, it's possible. I'll plant some seeds of how when we get to item number five. Okay, here's item number two. The part of the brain that helps us create change is, well, a part of the brain that's relatively difficult to use. Do a little internal inventory about things you wish you were better at, ways you wish you showed up in certain situations, distractions you wish you could avoid, habits you wish you could change. My experience is that pretty much everyone has a wish list like this and wish they were better at converting them to reality. That wish word signals a desire or an aspiration, an intention, my favorite word for that sort of longing. Intentions, especially new ones, tend to activate the prefrontal cortex, a part of the brain that we humans have and use in ways that are unique in the animal kingdom. Don't get me wrong, your favorite mammals, and your least favorites too, have their own versions of a PFC, that shorthand for prefrontal cortex. Yet the PFC is one of the most variable brain regions, species to species. And the human PFC is something of an outlier, even in comparison to our closest mammalian relatives. Now, the chapter page for this episode at www.thebrainandbeyond.com shares a few images showing how varied this region can be. Take a look if you have a moment. There's some interesting stuff there. But back to the human PFC. It's the part of the brain that tends to process new and novel information. We use it when we're being actively curious or observing something closely, figuring it out for the very first time. It's also responsible for things like mood control, complex stuff like if-then scenarios or, on the other hand, thinking. It also seems to be at least a start point for things associated with our personality, sense of self, and even identity. When we talk about higher cognitive functions or our higher selves, about being less distractible, more present, more patient, managing our moods, we're talking about functions associated with the PFC. Yet, due to its relative evolutionary newness, the human PFC turns out to be a part of the brain that gets deprioritized in many of our cognitive functions. See, the brain, that incredibly complex and powerful organ that's all in to serve your survival, is a 
cheapskate. It's absolutely stingy when it comes to allocating the fuel it runs on, glucose, which is carried along with oxygen through your bloodstream, because, well, survival. After all, for most of the millennia of our species' existence, we didn't have access to the on-demand calories that we generally can get now. And there were threats out there. Threats we'd have to face with that classic fight-or-flight response. The amygdala hijack we'll explore more fully in a future episode. So check this out. The complex, convoluted human PFC is a gas guzzler, so to speak. It's the part of our brain that uses relatively more energy than any other region. The part of the brain, the rest of the brain, shuts off whenever it can, and often, precisely, at the moments we need it most. Take any mental scenario and add anything like stress, fatigue, time pressure, hunger, busyness, and you can pretty much count on your PFC going offline. It may sound a bit daunting to hear that, since we all navigate things like stress, time pressure, hunger, and life challenges. The list goes on. Yet, knowing how the PFC works is a big part of getting it to work for you. That's why we'll dive deep into the PFC in Episode 2 of this podcast. For now, though, simply take note. The part of the brain most likely to help us make changes we seek is also the part of the brain most likely to be less available at the moments we need it most. However, don't worry. That's not a call to throw in the towel, not at all. Being aware of the PFC is a first step to learning how to outsmart the brain's usual agenda. You'll even get a sneak preview on how when we reach item five on today's list. Okay, now number three. Your brain will do more of whatever it's doing right now. You've probably heard of neuroplasticity, the brain's incredible ability to update itself based on your thoughts and actions. Remember, your brain is always documenting everything you do, all that has so far kept you here, surviving. Think of neuroplasticity as the brain's ability to create new connections, associations, and pathways, updating how its maps and circuits are wired. An easy way to think about this is with this phrase, the brain wires what it fires. Activity in the brain updates, constantly updates, the connections that travel across and through it. This constant updating is a lifelong ability of the brain, the gift of neuroplasticity. Every thought we have, every action we take, they all etch themselves into the ever-growing maps of what has so far kept us safe and alive. In fact, Your brain is updating its circuits right now as you listen to this podcast, as it always does, documenting what has so far served your survival. Why? So it can apply what's worked in the past to what it predicts will work for you in the future. This is important to understand. Everything you do changes the brain, updating the maps and circuits it will call on as it predicts what next thought or action helps it perform that all-important job one of ensuring your survival. Every time you grab a latte at your corner coffee shop, make a snarky comment, watch a sunset, binge watch or doom scroll or lose your temper, or tell a friend how much you appreciate them, 
all of your thoughts and actions are documented by the brain as something that served your survival, making it easier for you to do that exact same thing again and again. This is always happening. And when you understand how it works, you can learn ways to use this power to your advantage. That's another teaser, by the way, for item number five, and we're almost there. Here's number four. Left to itself, your brain will run the show. I almost said, left to itself, the brain will make you its tool rather than have it be your tool. I could have also said, left to itself, the brain will optimize for efficiency. It will stay on autopilot and simply repeat the thoughts and habits that have so far kept you alive. The key words here are not about the brain. They're actually more about you. Because what left to itself implies is that there are different ways the brain works. One is reactively and reflexively, wires firing and fires wiring based on past habits and conditions. The other way is about learning to tune our awareness to the brain's tendencies so that we can pause, take note, and perhaps direct another course of action. Not always, of course. There are plenty of things we should be grateful the brain can do without us left to itself. Walking, breathing, answering questions like, do chickens lay eggs? Things we don't really have to think about. Yet life, the life we want, is about much more than that. So learning to actively direct our thoughts and responses, well, that's a practice worth cultivating. We often talk about this sort of redirection of the brain's tendencies as mindfulness, that ability to stay present, to be in the moment, to have a sort of awareness that invites different ways of perceiving, interpreting, and responding. The word mindfulness is, to me, a bit of a misnomer. I think it should be called remindfulness because it takes a lot of intention, practice, and reminding before that spacious sense of present moment awareness becomes easily available. Yet mindfulness can be developed, and it's a game changer when it comes to cultivating a sense of balance, steadiness, and higher level thinking, not to mention overall calm and well-being. I mentioned that episode two will focus on the prefrontal cortex, or PFC. Episode three will look at what mindful means and why it's a brain state worth practicing. Yet I promised you something you can actually start working with as item number five, and ta-da, we're here. It's a simple yet very powerful little framework that you can start using right now to start training your brain to become more of the tool you want it to be. Here it is in three simple words. Mindset, skill set, and brain set. Think of them like this. Your mindsets plus your skill sets shape your brain sets. Always, whether we intend to make that happen or not. The things you prioritize and believe, those are your mindsets. They shape your worldview and the sense of yourself in it. Skill sets are the small practices that enact your mindsets, whether you're aware of them or not. And your brain sets are the end results that show up in how your brain fires, wires, interprets, and acts on the information it receives as you go about living your life. I'll bet you've already figured out what comes next. And you're right if you came up with this. 
that by changing our mindsets or by changing the skill sets we use to enact them, or heck, by changing both of them, we change our brain sets. This is the incredible power of neuroplasticity and the thoughts and actions that activate it. It's also why we'll talk about the PFC in the next episode, because there, as you'll see, is where we cultivate, nurture, and activate mindsets, intentionally directing our thoughts and actions to make changes in our brain. Now, we all know better than to believe that the mindsets, skill sets, and brain sets framework is a magic panacea or a band-aid we can use to fix anything about our brains or our lives or anything else we wish to change in the world. If only it were that easy. And please don't think I'm discounting the complexity and burden that trauma and stress levy on the brain, often making it even more challenging to change in desired ways. And I'm also not saying that mindsets, skill sets, and brain sets will work the same way for everyone. Brains are even more diverse and unique than our fingerprints. Truly, no two are ever anywhere near alike. We are all individuals, and each brain works in uniquely individual ways. Yet I am saying that for all of us, framing intentional mindsets, activating those through intentional practices or skill sets, spark the brain to update itself in small ways or, over time, in large ones, helping us update our brain sets to guide us to more of what we seek. This is a power that's available to you. Between now and episode two, simply pay attention to your thoughts as you navigate your days. Be curious about your mindsets, the assumptions or intentions that influence your brain's perception of reality. And start thinking about what changes you might be ready to realize, fueled by practices and skill sets. The potential of new brain sets is waiting when those two forces combine. Such is the power of that fascinating, complex, yet increasingly understandable three-pound organ of survival you're carrying with you through each moment of your life. Next episode, we'll continue learning about it and all that's beyond. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Brain and Beyond Podcast. I absolutely love how listeners like you are learning about the brain and how to activate more well-being, creativity, confidence, and balance through what's shared here. Make sure to visit www.thebrainandbeyond.com to explore your favorite episode. I share all kinds of good things to spark your curiosity and nourish your brain. And subscribe on your favorite listening platform so you never miss a show. If you like what you're finding here, share it. Maybe you know someone who could use a boost or a new perspective. And if you have suggestions, email me through the Brain and Beyond website or at ellen at thebrainandbeyond.com. Our beautiful theme song, Land Where I Belong, is performed by Lucia Lilikoy. Learn more about her on every episode page on the website where you can listen to the whole song. I'm Ellen Petrie-Leans, and until next time, I send good thoughts to you, your brain, and beyond. Land